this is the eighth episode of Crumpy Old Coders, and our this our week's episode is called Open World. Let's talk about open source. Uh, yeah, over to Thomas. Yes, we have some special guests today. Uh, Christoph and Martin, would you like to introduce yourselves? Christoph. Um, good evening. My name is Christoph. I'm running a, a um, open source podcast called Linux In-Laws together with my friend Martin Visser. Over to you, Martin. Uh, so, yes, Martin Visser. I'm running a podcast with my friend and colleague Chris Zimmerman called the you know, Linux In-Laws. I'm, I'm a communist. My co- a quarter of me is actually from Eastern Germany where David and Thomas are from too, long time ago. Um, I've been using open source software for the last 30 plus years. Um, did a PhD on reflective operating system architectures that um, Sun borrowed and never get back when they, when they did something called the Reflection API in Java. Um, James Gosling, if you're, if you're listening, all is forgiven. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm running one of the um, LUCs in Germany, namely the Frankfurt LUC, and uh, teaser, I don't know when this is going out, if somebody wants to know about Rust, um, there is a community event called the Chemnitzer Linux Tage on the 13th and 14th of March, and I'm giving an introduction to Rust commercial um, teaser, as in bad teaser, um, on the the 13th in the afternoon. Don't miss it. It's all virtual. It's free. And just join the session via the website. Yeah, don't worry. We cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See you next time, Grumpy Old (laughs) Corners. Martin, Martin, would Hello. you like to introduce yourself? Yes, sorry, and, and, and I'm working at Redis Labs, pretty much like the, like like David does too. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not a communist, um, but I do use open source software on uh, many occasions, and I do prefer using it if I can. Uh, I have a long-standing. I'm Dutch by birth uh, and lived there for oh, until I was about 25, and then in, uh, since then in various other places. Um, yeah, so that's me. I used to work at Redis Labs where I met Chris and David and currently work at a company called Brightlight making GPU databases. Cool, sounds good. So let's start with something very simple. Or what is open source software, Crystal? Um, open source software is essentially the software where the source code is available. Um, so you can take a look at it, study it, improve it, push innovation for the innovation that sort of thing examples of course would include something called linux um also there's a podcast called linux and laws but that's probably going to be cut out too <laughs> indeed <laughs> not what, what, is, what is this podcast called christopher uh, linux and laws as a matter of fact <laughs> oh okay <laughs> in case yeah. you're wondering one okay um it's essentially um, like, like of course, any 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 great concept, including ideas, software should be free, and that's exactly one of the things behind open source or free and open source software. The acronym is FLOSS, as in free libre open source software. So free as beer, right? No, free as freedom. <laughs> free as freedom. Okay, I was just kidding. Okay, uh, Martin, any comments on that? Yeah, we had a we had a really good interview um, last week actually with uh, a guy who's been in open source uh, for a fairly long time as well, and he obviously raised the point that uh, it's uh, open source has many benefits, but um, the benefits of this free and open source software don't go to the developers or the community in any uh, significant way, right? It's it's mainly uh, commercial organizations who take the benefits of that or the revenues but that way but that's a whole whole different question right well it is the next question so so what are the benefits i'm assuming one of the benefits has to be um that you as as you said christoph that you can read the source code so you can be sure there are no government trackers in there or or anything (laughs) that you don't want so that's a security aspect right but there must be other advantages of course um, I mean, if you take a look at something called Windows, I'm not too sure if the grumpy old coders are familiar with Windows. It used to be yeah. an operating system. I think it still is. Distant um, memories. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, uh, full disclosure, um, the source code of Windows is not available, as far as I know. Microsoft, if you're listening, um, now's the time. 
Um, having said that, <laughs> I think you're overestimating our audience here a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just in case, by the now way, it's the time of the to change listen. your core yeah. to Linux, yeah. right? So. <laughs> okay, yeah. no jokes aside. Uh, I mean, if you install Windows 10, you explicitly have to turn off tracking in terms of whatever you type in the search yeah. bar, whatever you do. Some of the uh, some of that data is actually going to some of the server. Um, to some service controlled by Microsoft. Plus the fact that, of course, because it's closed source, you cannot expect how it works internally. Um, so zero days, as in vulnerabilities mm. where, there's, where there's no patch for, are just ripe in that area. Because in contrast to Linux, where you can take apart the operating system because the source code is available, including the ecosystem running on top of it, you can freely inspect. And if there is a bug, in the user land or in the underlying kernel, needless to say, you have about a, a couple of thousand pairs of eyes watching this and coming up with fixes immediately. In contrast to this, it's only one corporation that controls the source code mm. of Windows. So, so yeah. So if, have, that, if that corporation yeah, is, is not aware of the security issue, um, this is an attack service just waiting to be exploited. Sorry, attack yeah. surface meaning um, ways to hack a system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, playing devil's advocate, you could also say, you know, security by obscurity, right? So if the bug is in there and nobody sees it, is it really there? But, you know, I know this is a flawed argument, right? It only takes so one hacker to prove you wrong. It only takes one, exactly. So, okay, so we have security and, well, the fact that you get the software for free. Is, is there anything else in the way of benefit? Innovation. Mm, it's, it's, so. it's also uh, things like um, code control and, and uh, you know, code quality, right? And uh, commercial yeah. organizations have a, a benefit to push certain features depending on, on commercial pressures, whereas um, in the open source world, that's quite the opposite. <laughs> if you want a feature, you can be waiting a long time. No, but it's also been, it's, um, you know, you have many people doing quality control on the code, right? So it's not as though it's, it's just one guy writing a piece of code. It's always going to be checked by, and it's available yeah. to check as well. This is the point, right? But, the Linux yeah. kernel has about 1,500 active contributors, I think, if not more. Yeah, that, that's, Linux is obviously the biggest open source project, right? But there's a lot of, of smaller ones out there that are not so well maintained. Indeed. Unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, go on. Sorry, I, I thought you were going to say oh, something. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I mean, this is... Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Martin, go yes, ahead. So not so well maintained, the example being the uh, the people that maintained uh, OpenSSL, right? <laughs> I think that's what, uh, yeah. what, what, I read what about that. our guest brought, brought up last week. But it's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good example, right? There was two guys maintaining that, and they didn't have time to do it, and so that's when bugs creep in and so on. Um, yeah, there's also an NPM package that I know of where the guy who... So this package was hundreds of thousands of downloads. It's in many commercial projects. And the guy had some sort of problem and had to go to jail. So that package is now unmaintained. And, you know, now, now what? Yeah. I forgot what it was. Was it Core.js? I think that was the one, yeah, Core.js. Well, so, calls for an Indiegogo campaign to get the, to get the guy out on bail. Or, take, or, or fork the code base, right? This is, yeah, I mean, forking that, the code base is the that, answer. That's exactly yeah. it, exactly. You fork the code base, and then you pour some man hours or women days or whatever you want to call it these days, because I reckon you have to be politically correct these days, so it's... Horse um, hours. <laughs> anyway, mm. doesn't matter. You pour some time into it, and basically you foster innovation that way, right? Not only take, are you taking over the... No, sorry. Not are you improving the code base, you also are... <laughs> um, Pouring yeah. additional functionality into it and bettering the code base at the same time, if you choose to do so. I suppose this is what happened with MariaDB, right? With MySQL. Used to be MySQL, and then, oh, who was it? Oracle bought it and mm -hmm. closed it, and then there yeah. was a fork of it called MariaDB. So something, okay. stuff like that happens yes. all the time, right? I guess the story around Mar MariaDB is a little bit uh, different, right? So I, I think, how, how is, it, is it called? Mm -hmm. 
Monty, Monty, I don't know, right? The guy who basically worked on MySQL mm. um, at uh, at Sun, right? And when Oracle acquired Sun, um, I, I think he he basically just decided to not stick with uh, the new company, and uh, yeah, because MySQL was open source, it was easy for him to basically found a new company and uh, just uh, take the intellectual yeah. property with him right well you could have forked the corpus because it was a liberal as in it was a free and open yeah yeah, yeah sure, yeah, sure. That's it. In, indeed indeed but uh in, in a sense it's a bit different right so i mean there yeah the circumstances were a bit different there there was a commercial interest behind it as well so. yeah and, and um there's also the the what you mentioned about the ip and the rights to that code right it's a slightly different story to to pure open source um code the my, my MariaDB mm. example Mm. Yeah, does, I does, so. does anybody know what, what MySQL was licensed under? No, I don't know. I but it's, they... it's um, I think the as he's the guy as as David said who took over MariaDB, he uh, actually had the rights to continue developing, whereas um, in a different direction. Mm. Something about the license was changed or something prohibitive. Yes, if there I was, remember, there was something. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, which um, yeah. There are um, too many of these licenses as well, right? <laughs> Wiki, Wikipedia oh, yeah. tells me that the original license was uh, was actually GPL ver version 2. So he had every right to fork this. Oh, yeah. No doubt. But it was uh, the, the license was changed on the main branch, on the MySQL branch, I think, was the problem. But, I mean, Oracle essentially took it over, yes. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they closed yeah. sourced it or changed the license to something crazy. So one of these two after, things happened, I think. Yeah. After the takeover, Wikipedia says it's it became proprietary, but that he oh, right. the guy used to uh, well, um, um the guy who ran this basically used that window of opportunity just to fork the code base, simple as simple as that. And MariaDB, as as probably we all know, is now is still GPL version two. So in a way, that's the other benefit of open source, that you can be sure that a thing isn't really going away, right? You know, a big corporation can't just buy it and take it away because on day one, somebody will fork it. It depends on the license, but if you're using one well, of these um, uh, more stricter or stricter licenses, you're correct, yes. I mean, if we take a look at GPL, GNU Public License, for the few listeners who do not know what this means, GNU Public License version 2, version 3, doesn't matter, requires you to publish any changes you make to your code base upon request. It's as simple as that. So if you change a single, a single line of code in that code base, um, and if somebody then basically gets in touch and says, now look, please publish this, you have to. So that's the reason why many um, <clears throat> open source projects that are licensed under GPL to publish these changes anyway, or if you fork a code base, um, then of course you are immediately under GPL version as uh, version two or three as well, because that license is basically um, inherently uh, what's what I'm looking for um, inheritable, as in you, oh, you pass yeah. it on. I know you, what you mean. You, you uh, cannot. You, you simply cannot change this to a less, uh, to, to a more permissive license. Yeah. Okay. Hereditary. Yes. Thank you. Hereditary. Okay. So, what if you use a GPL package as a dependency, right? So you're not forking the actual source code. You're just using the functionality. Does it apply then as well? It depends. It depends basically on whether you're linking to it, on whether there there are different flavors of of the GNU public license. For example, there's mm -hmm. a lesser GPL. Um, mm -hmm. Where you have certain uh, free, certain levels of freedom, not to publish um, your source code if you're linking, for example, to 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 GPL to L, to an LGPL license library. But um, teaser: there will be an up, there will be an upcoming episode on Linux and laws where we will go into the depth <laughs> of open source licensing. We will. Very and, good. And yeah. if you don't hear this, <laughs> you sound surprised, Martin. <laughs> Oh, we're looking forward to that one. <laughs> actually, actually, I mean, we we can given that we talk about license, let's talk about it, right? Um, uh, and jump a bit around. Uh, so, meaning, 
Uh, first of all, we, we talked a bit about our definition of open source and you said uh, that the source code is available, which is not strictly seen open source, right? Because I, I believe that our, our, the license kind of matters, right? And uh, it needs to be something which is approved. How does it work? By, by the OSI? Or this is one of can the, you talk yes, of, of course I can. OSI, think about it like the um, Central Committee of Open Source Licensing. As in, uh, does everybody know what the USSR used to be? Um, is that a the... trick question? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> How is this relevant to open source? <laughs> exactly. We will soon Stay find out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, so oh, USSR essentially... I'm I'm sim I'm open I'm oversimplifying things, but you get my drift. The USSR essentially was run by something called the Central Committee, where the Central Committee basically um came up with the five-year plans, um and essentially put the wheels in motion to make this happen, and also approved certain things. And the OSI, being the Stalinist um <laughs> what's the word for committee in this area with regards to open source licensing, of course. Um, the idea behind this standardization body, if you if you if you want to call it that way, um, is to take a very serious look at open source licensing and to approve them, which has its advantages and disadvantages. <clears throat> Goes without saying. Um, so, for example, there's a, there, there's a certain set of companies that try to severely restrict the usage of their open source code bases and submitted the corresponding licenses um, to the OSI, but the OSI took a close look and said, sorry, this won't fly. So what happens if the OSI says no? I mean, it's my code. I can still do what I want, right? Absolutely. Exactly. In that case, my, uh, the response of such a company would be, um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Simple, I mean, so, sorry, the OSI is not, is not, um, is not, um, what's what I'm looking for? The overarching governing body of open source. They are an important body taking a look at open source licensing and other matters, I might add, <clears throat> thus fostering innovation and the overall spirit in the community. But their say isn't final. If you own a code base, you can do whatever you want with it because you came up with it. Yeah, I mean, what does only code base mean? I thought everything was open source and free. It depends on the license. Is, is, is there such a thing, right? That's, uh, well, you see, it depends on the license. I mean, if you think... Oh, it's it, becoming a philosophy. If, 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 yeah. if <laughs> <laughs> there are levels of ownership, right? Because somebody course, owns yeah. the GitHub login, right? So that's ultimately the owner, and the other guys are contributing right. code. Nobody code. forces you to publish your code base on GitHub. On GitHub, yeah. Could no. it it's just you an example. Use, you know? can use yeah. GitLab too, and you can set yeah. up, of course, your open your, your own GitHub uh, Git, Git server. I mean, this is open source, right? Yeah, no, but what I mean, like in the Linux kernel, there is a guy who decides what goes into the main branch. Yes. You and, know what I mean? Yes, but you see, um, okay, um, yes, he's... Is using GitHub as far as I as far as I remember, but you see, um, this is just an infrastructure issue. He might as well use another uh, source code control system. Yeah, but, but the it, the, but the, it, the, the but message, uh, the statement is the same, right? I mean, yes. we're talking about GitHub or whatever. He's, he's, what he's Thomas true... means is there's one guy who is basically yes. taking decisions, or there's a committee of persons. Yes. Who are, I mean, uh, Linux is, is the perfect is the perfect storm. It's the perfect example, exactly, because this is true dictatorship in its very at its very core. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. So if 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 Linux is run over by a bus, somebody probably will have to take over, and um, I have my guesses who that might be, um, but. Until such time, Linus <laughs> has the final... starts with Christoph. Right? No. <laughs> no. 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 he drives Greg... the bus. <laughs> no, 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 no. But until such time, Linus has the final say about commits to a particular kernel version. Yeah. Goes without Cause saying. Yeah, because it's really about the name, isn't it? I mean, I could fork the Linux kernel today, but obviously the, the name... 
Linux kernel or whatever it is on GitHub is taken. So I would have to call it something else, right? I, I would have to distinguish it. Um, there could be even trademarks. There could be even trademarks. Sure, as far as sure. I know, yeah. Linux is trademarked by the Linux Foundation. So you yeah. will have a trademark issue for starters. But what I mean, sort of, that there's one central point of this ownership, right? Or if I, like going back to that Core.js example, right? If I install Core.js as a dependency, right? I just give it that name Core.js and then my tooling resolves that and downloads the package Core.js. If somebody forks it, he can't publish it as Core.js. You know what I mean? So it's a no. central ownership hmm. is in the name he, of the ownership. He, he just have a well, no, it has to have a different package name. Yeah, but exactly. you, would have to, you would have to get the community to change that name in all their, you know, in all their software, right? I mean, Which is probably the hard bit. It, you know, like the change from MySQL to MariaDB, if you want to awareness, simplify right? it. The, aware, the awareness, the awareness. Is a, yeah, it's a whole marketing thing, issue, basically. Right? Yeah. Thomas, community it, is also kind of, yeah, I'm sorry. Thomas, Thomas, that may come as a surprise to you, but this war is still going on. For example, there's a package called FFmpeg, and um, the corresponding fork is called AV, AV something. And yeah. quite a few and quite a few distributions, as in Linux distributions, are fluctuating between these two packages. Because um, both forks, or sorry, the original and the fork has their have their advantages and disadvantages. And, and at some stage, basically, after the initial brouhaha where um, this AV project decided to fork the code base, I wouldn't say it became bit rot, but um, the attention was lessening. And FFmpeg, then the project itself got more contributions, and now, or a couple of years back, more and more distros are switching back to, to, the, to the original. So this, I mean, and, but you see, the point is that this drives innovation because the more pull requests a project gets, the more pull requests are accepted and then validated and made sure that they work, the better the code base eventually becomes. Yeah. And, and the reverse still applies. If there is no love for a project <laughs> out there. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you could also end up in a situation where you have dozens of zombie forks, right? And no one actually knows anymore where which innovation is living uh, because the communities are split up or yeah, but, actually but not really existing. Or... But in this but case, you, see... you, ha you have metrics, right? You have sort of pop popularity met metrics as in downloads or stars on absolutely, GitHub or, or something, yeah. right? So you can so it's it's sort of a democratic vote, you know which package is the most popular and that's the winning one, right? You could you could say this way this way, right? You could also say that the one uh, which has the uh, I'd say even in reality in politics there are populist parties, right? So the one which has most of the votes doesn't need to be the the, the most innovative, let's say, right? Uh, it just needs to have the uh, the wider com the widest community or the better marketing in a sense, right? But anyway, um, oh, maybe over uh, to you, Martin. It's true. <laughs> I, I mean, it's before we jump to the uh, to the kind of uh, ownership models of such over open source projects. Let's maybe jump back to the licenses a bit. And uh, I, what is interesting, maybe for the listeners, is our. Uh, uh, you already mentioned that there are two different or there are multiple licenses, several licenses, right? And uh, some of them are viral, some of them are non-viral. Um, could you kind of explain maybe the differences a bit or for instance, by example? As we, have a th as we have a fourth guest on the podcast, sorry, second guest on the podcast. <laughs> Martin, over to you. No, you so are. I, the, uh, so the I don't have to do all the speaking. <laughs> this is not my uh, area of okay. interest. <laughs> okay. And it will never will be you, either. Will you answer did, this I mention, did I mention the fact that there is actually an upcoming Linux in loss episode on the subject? <laughs> well, we could just uh, re record this one. Then. Can you imagine a chat show, you know, where the guy says, okay, so what's the answer to that? Nope, not answering that. Yeah. No, um, okay, um, just, just a quick summary in that case. Um, <laughs> what do you think about that? Nope, not telling you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I would watch that show. I'm, I'm going to... I'm, I'm I can, I can say, well, actually, before you start, Christopher, there is obviously the... Um, uh, the, the the discussion about licensing is mainly is usually coming up around the cloud vendors, right? That's when 
when most people uh, take notice and when people start changing licenses as well, um, like uh, the likes of Redis, uh, Elasticsearch, Mongo, etc. So um, maybe include that in your uh, response because uh, it's, it's whereby whereby I'm regarding Redis, I have to be a bit protective there, right? They didn't change the license of uh, okay. They, they didn't they change int license of Redis. Introduce a new one. Uh, Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Only, only no, the module, not the core, Redis. not Redis. Yeah. They core, didn't change exactly. the license of Redis of Redis itself, Indeed. right? They they changed yes. Redis Labs changed the license of some of their modules that they already developed by them. Blah blah, right? Which is uh, as we already identified, mm -hmm. something you can do if you own the. <laughs> If you own it, but I, I mean, I was more after something like, uh, yeah, viral licenses versus non-viral licenses, for instance. So, or uh, for instance, GPL, right, or uh, is a viral license, and Christoph already explained that, uh, uh, if you basically fork it and uh, do whatever with mm. it, right, um, you will need to sure. also, or uh, yeah publish your source code under GPL again, right? Mm -hmm. So meaning uh, as soon as you use it, then you, whatever uses it, Christoph, is this true that whatever uses it embedded as well, right? I mean, if it is a library, or pro probably not, but uh, if if you use the source code embedded into, into something, then I guess it means that the source code, which has the other source code embedded, needs to be open source as well, right? Um, Can you explain this yes. a bit? Um, before we go, before we go there, mentioning mentioning Redis, do you know whose birthday is it today? No. Well, quite a few people, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's actually this. This it's is there anyone inch. you had in mind? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, there was this Sicilian chap who invented Redis about over two years ago, and Salvatore. Oh, Salvatore, Salvatore, if you're listening, was it two years ago? Wow. Yes, yeah. when compleanno, <laughs> and thanks for a great code base, by the way. By the way, oh, I just yeah. did the math. Happy and, birthday! Uh, yes, happy told. birthday! Yeah. yeah, sorry for 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 the few non-Italian speakers on the on uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, I just and did the math, and there should be twenty-two million people having a birthday today. Okay, continue. Please. Excellent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and how many? And how many of them actually invented something called Redis? I'm just wondering. <laughs> Maybe not twenty-two million. Fair enough. <laughs> Just maybe, but but back to the question, Christoph, right? <laughs> and the question, sorry, was once again. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> viral viral licenses, viral versus okay. non-licenses. Um, yes. Maybe explain two examples. More, more than happy to, Martin. Uh, sorry, David, <laughs> Thomas, whatever. <laughs> sorry, no, don't decide. Um, Steve, no, sorry, Steve, exactly. Bob. <laughs> Dave, Alice. <laughs> yeah. You can name you can name it name me however you want, right? The only thing you need answer to do is to question. answer this question. <laughs> Sweetie, now listen up. <laughs> we need to do a good cop, bad cop thing on you guys, I think. <laughs> Sweetie, now listen up. <laughs> okay. No jokes aside. Okay, no, seriously. Um yeah, the degree of virality, is that a word? Um uh, as in the degree of of um, a code, um, an open source license being viral, depends pretty much on the degree of permissiveness attached to it. So, for example, you have the really strict licenses, like the copylefts of the world, like GPL and and friends. But then you also have very permissive licenses, like Apache, like MIT, like BSD. They simply say, "No, look." I'm I'm over I'm I'm again over oversimplifying things. Um, all you have to do is essentially basically credit the author, pass on the license and some other details, and after that you're pretty much free to do whatever you want with the code base. You especially not have to publish the changes, and that leads to some interesting developments. Let's put it this way: um, we had this chap. Paul Dem what's his name again, Martin? Paul Dempsey? Ramsey. Ramsey, sorry. I'm old and my memory's failing. Paul Ramsey on a very beautiful open source podcast not, not Linux <laughs> In-laws, called Linux In-laws the other day. <laughs> Details I hope are in the show notes. What? <laughs> <Anyway>. What's happening? <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. we, we were guests with them, right? Or I don't know, three weeks ago. I, I guess we, we did not enough advertising. No, we clearly did not. <laughs> within their show, right? So, yeah, anyway. Okay. And when we, when we were discussing licensing models, I basically used the, used the um, example of something called Terminus DB as a very interesting showcase. Uh, taking actually a, re a reverse direction. I'm not too sure if Terminus DB rings a bell. They are on DB engines at nearly position 300. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah, just checking. So, so, no, so very, no, very strangely, popular. It doesn't very yeah. popular, right? So, okay. uh, yeah, Redis, I think, is at number seven, but <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, no, Terminus DB is a very interesting approach. Uh, full disclosure, um, it comes from research project Uh, at the, from the very same university where, where I did my PhD. It's essentially a, a combination of a graph database and an underlying Git-like storage framework. And originally, the code base was licensed under GPL version 3, I think. But last year, they changed it to an Apache 2.0 license. Uh, with the simple reason, when I spoke to them a couple of, of weeks ago, they said, we want to foster the adoption of our tech stack embedded in other people's projects. Now, this is a very interesting remark at the end of the day, because if they would have maintained their GPL licensing, these people adopting that technology would have, at the end of the day, to publish their tech stack as well. Changing this license to a more permissive one enables them to not exactly do this, as in, They embed the code. Uh, they embed the code base because Apache 2 is a, is a very permissive license. All they have to do is credit the original project, and then they are pretty much free whatever wanted whatever they want to do with that combination of terminus to be and their own tech stack. Interesting. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Which raises a bit the question: or let's say, let's assume you would start a new open source project today, right? Uh, for which license would you decide? I, I mean, maybe the, the answer is it depends. But exactly, it depends. I, but, I, <laughs> no, <seriously. laughs> but, I, but I guess there yeah, are good reasons to not yeah. use a viral license, right? So, I mean, if, if you would like to, maybe it depends on what you're developing. If you're developing something which is used as a service, if you're developing something which is more used embedded or whatever, right? But uh, what are the criteria there? What would you say, Christoph or Martin? Uh, when would you go with something like Apache 2? And when would you go with something like GPL? Like GPL? Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, Martin, go ahead. Well, as, as, as we already said, it depends, right? It's what, what is it you're trying to achieve with your open source uh, code base? Are you trying to... Um, Uh, get adoption? Are you trying to uh, solve a problem? Are you trying to, you know, as as in the case of, of Terminus DB, want to make sure that anybody who uses it uh, publish any changes to it? So it, it comes down to your uh, personal uh, decisions on what is it you want um, out of You know, if you're just writing code to solve a problem, fine, you put it on, on GitHub, uh, you want people to, to contribute to it, then That that could be one reason, uh, because you're trying to solve a problem. If you're trying to start uh, a code base for different reasons, then yeah, uh, you choose a different license. If if you want to say, for example, uh, prevent, um, you know, the, the typical example is obviously Amazon taking lots of open source code bases and being able to make changes without um, pushing those back to certain projects. I mean, just to name two examples, and I think really Martin nailed this down if you are developing a machine learning tech stack for your guided missile system uh, you might as well license this under apache 2 because um if you're in the business of producing these 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 weapon systems you don't care what the what, what the other people do with the code um because eventually i reckon you're going to run an open core business anyway in terms of the core will be, will be open source but your but the proprietary amendments will be your own ip in contrast, if you're talking the next Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, you may want to consider GPL because that would allow the reference implementation to be checked by a million eyes, uh, by a million pairs of eyes, making sure that this code base is not subject to any attack vectors. 
because that's exactly what you what you want to do if you want to launch the next big thing in terms of cryptocurrencies. Sure. So it's not only how you want to have ownership of your code; it's also how you want other people to use it, right? Absolutely. So there yeah, are many vectors to this. So okay. So I've written my code Makes now. Sense. Now what's next? How, how do I earn money? Yeah. Earn money. But wait, wait, a, wait a second before we go. To, before we go to this. Uh, before before we go before we go to this, I I would like to know why. Maybe I'm missing something, Christoph. Okay. Right? But why why can I kind of use any other open source license by by making it available to a community in order to avoid that it has specific attack or surfaces or an attack surface? I mean, regardless of the let's say OSI approved uh, open open source license right what they all have in common right they are all having the source code available at least right yeah. which means that uh, that that means whatever license i'm using right whatever restrictions it has the source code is always there in order to be checked by by a community right what is the concrete or uh, i mean why is it for instance, are uh, easier for the community to check with something like or check something like GPL versus whatever uh, BSD Apache. I don't know, right? Whatever license or uh, jumps in my mind. I mean, this is straightforward. I mean, if you take a GPL license code base and if you discover a bug, if you submit a pull request or if you fork this code base and incorporate a bug fix for this, you have to publish that code base as well. If you um, take, if you fork a code base with, more, with, with a code base with a more permissive license, you fix the code, you fix the bug, but you do not have to publish the changes. There's a huge difference. But you can, I mean, or and if yes, the if the community if the community is vital, because a license doesn't guarantee your vital uh, community in the first step, right? So meaning, whatever license you have, if you if you managed it somehow, right, to build a community around you. Then, uh, if your license is more permissive, people will anyway kind of uh, provide bug fixes and contribute, right? If it is less permissive, um, they they will do also, right? By by having less choice. So the the question is, why is the one better than the other in this regard? Um, because it forces you to, in terms of, as I said, if you fork a GPL license code base. Uh, code base, you have to publish any changes that you make to that code base. Um, yeah. But so, so if, uh, if, okay, you, fine. Choose, so, if so, you choose a more permissive license, you are free to do whatever you want with any changes that you do the, to the code base. You might actually as well sell this yeah, change to, to, yeah. to bidder uh, and not okay, worry about disclosing any any changes. So you could make a business out so spending to the next topic, let's say, right? You could make a business out of it to to fix stuff and then sell it to whom? Welcome to the community to itself. Or... Called the Darknet. Yeah, thank you for the invite, <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> do they have a license as well? Uh, I'm sure they do. Uh, not that the, the darknet would care in any sense about violating licenses or stuff like that. Right? Yeah, I think so. That's not the darkest stuff going on there, I don't think. Yeah, yeah it's the darkest stuff going on, but oh no, we violated an open source license, right? <laughs> uh, damn it right we don't have any problem in selling drugs but uh, violating open source license yeah. there it stops yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay um <laughs> good any other questions let's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Tom has already asked a question, right? Or uh, let's talk about uh, how to monetize actually open source. Yes, I mean, if well, you don't go to the darknet, how do you monetize? <laughs> Sorry, I wish you could say welcome to the darknet. <laughs> <laughs> It's drugs, weapons, and girls. Exactly, it hasn't changed. 
fire just escalated <laughs> quickly. <laughs> and, and, and the in-laws are glad it did. <laughs> this is a very sinister remark. I don't know what's going on. Okay, back to back to more anyway. serious answers. Um, as usual, um, it's all about communism versus capitalism versus socialism, right? I mean, you just pick your business model. You have companies like Red Hat. Hey, hey, like... Oh, wait, hang on a minute. How is communism as a business model? I, I was just getting there. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to I, I don't think this. the USSR did that well. Did that really? <laughs> <laughs> now, well, Martin, if, if it's any consolation, that was an initial implementation problem. Yes, indeed. Well, they put the, it up in space, the, isn't the it? Ideal, the ideal behind that still is valid. It's called... Um, <laughs> Communism. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, jokes aside, I mean, there are companies like Nextcloud, like Red Hat, that are simply open source companies. Any code base um, that they that they produce, they open source. So their business model is purely service, consultancy, and other services around this. Uh, hang on, did Nextcloud not have an advanced version that day? Uh, no, that changed. Yeah. If you go back oh. to something called Linux In-Laws Season 1 episode... Yes, we had the guy on the show. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> exactly. No. Um, was it the hosting they, side that they're charging for? Uh, they gave mm. that up. No, in terms of... A, oh, yeah, okay, but, there, was, there was a component. I'm sure there was a component. There was an was, attempt at yeah, commercializing yeah, yeah. this okay, towards okay. an open core model, but uh, Frank Karliczek basically got the better of it and said, now look, this is wrong. We are just sticking with the true open source um, 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 ideal and are publishing any any code base changes still um, because it, it didn't fly with the community. And that's exactly what evolution is all about, right? Um, if you go down the if you go down the open core road, and full disclosure, I'm working for an open core company. There may be that danger that people will turn to another to, to another solution. Um, the second stage would be, or the, or the alternative would be something called open core, where um, the core of your technology, and let's pick Mongo or Couchbase as the best examples here. Um, the core of your technology is still open source. It's on GitHub, it's free available, go just go for it. But then you have certain components where the IP is not open source. And this is what you sell as an enterprise-grade, in inverted commas, um, 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 product, plus services, plus support around it. And then you have this traditional legacy closed source model, Windows, DB2, and other software comes to mind that doesn't give a shit about open source, and um, essentially is legacy. Windows included, by the way. If G Suite and friends are anything to go by, it's in cloud stuff. Okay, fine. <clears throat> so open core seems to be the the uh, the answer, right? I see, no, um, well, yeah. open core is one example, right? It's um, uh, I mean, either subscription business or open core, right? Or uh, is what I heard, or maybe I missed something. Well, you can still do. You can still go for money, drugs, and weapons, right? Uh, sorry, girls. Drugs and weapons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I mean, the, the, the open core model, uh, or what, what Christoph described, is, is an enterprise extra um, pieces of software that these uh, organizations yep. sell. Uh, but there's also um, organizations that do pure support only, right, as a as a business model on top of open source software. Red Hat being the best example, yes. Well, Red Hat has, has enterprise bits of software as well, to be fair. Indeed. Red Hat Enterprise Linux, for instance, right? Which is not exactly yeah. Fedora. I mean, it's and and the clustering products Fedora, and things like that. There's, there's a whole bunch of extras that they have. So, but yeah, some some companies are pure uh, open source software and support. Right, that, that's simple model, no, nothing else, just consulting um, and so on. Then in that so case, there's a few next ways cloud. to do it. Yes. Hmm. Maybe Enterprise DB or you worked for Enterprise DB. Martin, yeah, Enterprise right? so DB had indeed uh, pure open source Postgres plus support, and they had a uh, their own propriety version of Postgres as well. Um, but yeah, so from from that model, so so the one thing that, for example, say Redis doesn't have is open source Redis support, 
um, they have only Redis Enterprise support, right? So that's a very different model to um, what most, I think most of the open source based companies do is is start with the open source product and do support and add a few add-ons. But I think, uh, I don't know if there's any other exceptions, but Redis is definitely, for me, what I've seen, a, an exception that they don't do pure open source um, support. Yeah, I think most of them don't do right. Because uh, I mean, Couchbase, for instance, I, I believe this is public knowledge, right? Or what they did is they they kind of or actually they had three editions: the open source edition, the community edition, and the enterprise edition, right? Mm. And uh, the open source edition was basically something which didn't have any builds, or for instance, right? So they just gave you the opportunity to build it yourself, do whatever you want. The community edition was, or uh, if I remember correctly, always ahead or a little bit the Fedora model, right? It was basically always ahead the uh, the the enterprise edition so they gave it to the community to stabilize it or uh, right uh, a kind of more experimental version and then um yeah from time to time they they basically took a stable snapshot or more stable q8 or snapshot right uh, um of the uh, of the open source edition by making this enterprise uh, right plus uh, a few features which they basically added uh, for enterprise right so meaning even if the code base was the same across all the editions uh, more or less right uh, the the main difference was basically that uh, they only provided support for the enterprise edition and to be really fair um, also with redis labs and others right that are doing it similar um you can't really provide uh, or from my experience at least i mean you might have a different opinion but it's really hard to provide uh, let's say support for the open source edition only if you have a, such a model right where you innovate uh, let's say in the in the uh, our, uh, open source edition by by kind of uh, our, yeah taking a stable snapshot which is your enterprise edition let's say right and red hat is doing the same right fedora is kind of uh, a little bit of playground uh, thingy and uh, uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux is, uh, is let's say, a bit more more stable, right? Um, and uh, they would not provide support for Fedora because um, it would basically mean that they are supporting a, a currently unstable version, right? If this makes sense. Fedora is a playground, yes, of course. For those who, for those few people that are new, that are not using Arch in production, that was a joke. I, I don't. Is, is Arch discouraged to be used in production? I don't. Uh, no, it's not. I'm using I, I'm using it myself in production, but then but then full disclosure, I'm an Arch package maintainer. Well, but actually, Redis model is uh, still a bit different than what I just described. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I guess a lot of people use actually Redis in production, right? Redis open source in production, and if they want to have support, they apparently go to there apps, are a few right? cloud providers that make a serious amount of money from uh, it. Exactly, I, I was exactly. about to so say not that, just yeah. a few, not just a few. <laughs> a lot of people use Redis. I, so, I think so, yeah. So meaning this uh, this contradicts a bit with this model, let's say. Uh, but the Fedora model was clearly used by by Couchbase, for instance. I'm I'm not sure who else uses it, but uh, right. I mean, but this is yeah. licensed under three under three class BSD. So any hyperscaler, and quite a few come to mind, simply take the code base and use it as managed service, and this is what you, and this is what they sell. Yeah, the, the, bookshop, the, large bookshop, the bookshop being the primary example. Exactly, which speaks a bit, uh, which speaks a bit, uh, let's say, for Redis uh, stability without doing too much advertising for the Redis open source project here. But uh, anyway, anyway, um, good. <laughs> Maybe one topic which we still have on our list is true communism maybe where next do you time. see the future of open source right As I said, i'm not sure if communism. this is already the answer to my question but uh, maybe it was right so. bring, bring back the communists yeah, yes what do you mean bring back but they didn't they have never left <laughs> simple as that no, very jokes. successful in play, except for places <laughs> like uh, South Korea. Well, actually, no, that's a dictatorship, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Martin, mm. South Korea is not a dictatorship. That's North Korea what you t that you're talking about, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but you see, um, the trouble is basically that you're dealing with humans, so implementation flaws are 
rather the rule than the exception. Because if if humans would be slightly more advanced, communism would be a great concept. Unfortunately, mm. the human race hasn't evolved that far yet. Too bad. So anyway, so, I mean, I, I tend to agree politically, right? But uh, the question is, if we, if you can take this one to one and uh, uh, kind of project it to open source software, I, I know you do, right, <laughs> Christoph? <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's say, or uh, maybe it's it's kind of a different scale. So let's not try to solve world problems by introducing something like communism or across the entire world uh, by getting rid of uh, yeah. Uh, well, places like the U.S. have taken the step in the right direction. If I'm not completely mistaken, welcome to the um, global politics podcast, <laughs> formerly known as Grumpy Old Coders. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we we get distracted, but you started yeah. it. So any, anyway, where do you see the future of open source? Right, that's the question. Um, this is still Darwin, right? This is still Darwin at play. Um, if you're talking about purely from a technology perspective, and this is true evolution at its core, the fittest will survive. Right. Simple as that. You see this actually on GitHub and other places. Um, Projects that do not foster innovation will fall to something called bit rot. Nobody gives a sh sorry, nobody cares. Uh, the, you see declining, uh, you see you see a declining in the number of pull requests, and uh, the project falls to the wayside. In contrast, you have vibrant um, projects that receive that receive a lot of love. Not just from a few contributors, but from from quite a few, and people also fork these code bases or simply take the concepts and put them into different molds, put them into a different use case, and simply drive innovation that way. Um, something called Python comes to mind. For those listeners who do not know, it's a programming language. And there are at least four um, different implementations of the Python interpreter that you can use on your platform, ranging from something that is viable to run on something called a Java virtual machine right to the reference standard implementation called CPython, written in C. Uh, because Python is such a vital piece of, of, the, of the ecosystem. It still receives a lot of love and there's a lot of innovation going on. When it comes down to, to monetization, that's actually a very interesting subject because predictions are always hard, especially when they concern the future. Full disclosure, I didn't invent this. Uh, somebody actually from Eastern Germany um, came up with a quote. Um, jokes aside, it's hard because the marketplace is changing so rapidly. For example, if you just take a look at the open core market, quite a few companies have changed their licensing within the last two years at least twice. So uh, I reckon, or I believe, or I, sorry, I hope, and Martin may have a different view, I hope that eventually communism will prevail as in the true open source companies, will get the better of it. But for the time being, we may have, and as I said, full disclosure, I'm working for an open core company, we may have to do with open, we, we may have to, to stick with open core. Martin, over to you. Yeah, it's, uh, I think there is a <coughs> inherent um, uh, kind of built-in built conflict, right? It's, it's uh, people want software to be free and open source, and on the other side, you have, um, organizations trying to uh, make money from it um and it then it comes down to who are the people that are actually contributing to projects right so uh, the, the the idea is that anybody can uh, which is great but does anybody uh, actually do contribute how many people contribute to certain projects certain projects are very much controlled by single companies um the uh, or, or even run by single uh, people uh, as well in in the past so uh, you know the likes of python and the likes of um 
uh, Redis as well, for example, uh, that came to mind. But they, they have changed. Um, so it, it's, uh, yes, feature of open source. Um, it, it could only really work if there is uh, a, a, a something changes in terms of, of how... Um, do we just continue relying on people's goodwill to fix bugs and and things and why would they there are so many projects out there that which one are you going to choose to look at and fix a bug on right maybe if you're using it yes then you and you come across thing you come across it you may raise an issue but does that mean the same that you're actually going to also then change the code base and actually do a fix then there's another question altogether um so you know and then there's the the monetization pieces like you know, the, the, the OpenSSL example earlier, right? This is a perfect example. People have day jobs, right? And and like an uh, uh, a project maybe run by two people, and they spend uh, you know uh, a few hours in the evening or a weekend, whatever it is on on the project. Then is that sustainable as a um, as a piece of software development? Yes, no, maybe. Um, so something has to change, um, I think, because. You know, there are the, the the successful open source projects out there are well, I, I would say few and far between, and then then it depends how do you define success? Is it number of uh, contributors, number of uh, lines of code, number of uh, committers, whatever you want to call it, right? So, or how much how successful are the companies behind it? So, um, uh, it's it's uh, yeah. Um, uh, we ha as I said, we had a, an interview with a guy who had some strong views about it, um, but he was perfectly right that. You know, uh, who are the contributors? Why are they contributing in the first place? And um, yeah. uh, we end up with, uh, you know, with bugs um, that uh, are fairly serious because people have day jobs, right? Um, because, mm. you know, unless you are a, <laughs> a communist country, then fine, you may have a job doing it, uh, but then such countries don't exist anymore unfortunately which, which all, is unfortunately. which is actually funny right <laughs> yeah. oh, there there's indeed there's indeed there's indeed a kind of parallel or uh, here with communism right because because uh, as christoph said correctly right um the concept itself is maybe not too bad right uh, but uh <laughs> but the uh, it's fail it's failing because of humans let's say right because humans have interests uh, special mm. interests right humans are want to compete humans want to whatever right so they are just humans and they are not perfect let's say and uh, um, on the other hand side right if you if you look at open source projects there are also interests why people are contributing to this right i mean maybe people fix bugs because they use this library in in a project right and they need to have this bug fixed in order to make it run fine so this could be a very simple direct interest let's say right uh, which is more or less the interest of the of the company who is uh, paying the salary of this person who is fixing the bug right mm -hmm. because they they want to use it for for wider project or whatever right then there are there are interests like uh yeah making money based on the software which you develop which is a fair interest i would say right because uh, in a sense everyone here needs to survive and uh, then there is uh, there are a group of persons uh, um, and i i personally would count myself towards this as well uh, partially at least that are doing it sometimes just for the reputation right so meaning if i'm open sourcing a, a project i'm working on right so or putting on a github or not thinking too much about the licenses right just saying yeah okay this is gpl whatever right then then i'm doing this in order to share my source code with the world and the reason is not that I'm that arrogant that I'm saying, hey, yeah, this is no one would have been able to develop this, right? Indeed, it's not uh, rocket science, maybe, but uh, but it's maybe giving me a portion of reputation that I have something like I don't know twenty github projects visible or whatever right so not that this would be the main reason but this is a component right and i believe a lot of persons are contributing to open source to to actually get this reputation or they do it in order to uh or, yeah or show this reputation um the or they do it because it's needed uh, by their job or what else could be motivations i mean do you know a single person who is just doing it for fun or then it would be self-education which is also a selfish or uh let's say mm -hmm. uh, 
a selfish or uh, reason. So, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where, where I mean, coming coming back to communism, right? Humans are selfish in a sense, right? And this breaks communism. So, uh, let's say Christoph, I, I know you contribute to open source projects from time to time. Martin maybe as well. Why do you do it, right? What, I mean, what are your motivations? This, right, to this do is it? not about me. I mean, there's a. I mean, uh, full disclosure. Um, <laughs> Uh, Redis is a prime example here. Um, when Salvatore basically had this requirement of having um, have to have a performant database at his disposal for this web reporting project that has basically real-time capabilities, um, he sat down and wrote that keyword, that original keyword store called a Remote Dictionary Server um, initially, yeah, and then exactly Redis. And then he decided, in the great nature of true open source spirit, to publish the, the, the code base. And I think that hasn't changed. I mean, he gave up the BDFL job last year, if, if I'm not completely mistaken. But for 10 years, he contributed to that code base. And never mind Pivotal, never mind Redis Labs. He would have done so. Um, regardless of the of, of the sponsorship, because he believes in this open source code uh, in, in in this open source spirit, and the reason yeah, why, but why do you do it? And what, sorry, I was just going to answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because funny enough, actually, a quarter of me comes from Eastern Germany, so at the very core, I'm yeah. still a communist. But this is, I mean, this is a very bad argument, right? I mean, no, uh, Thomas and me, as you mentioned, are also from, from Eastern Germany originally, right? And and we actually grew Appar up in, in communism or socialism, right? Apparently. Which doesn't mean that we like it. Right? Apparently. I mean, I not say you like it. <laughs> is that the country then, David? Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not speaking for Thomas, but I would not say that I like it or liked it, right? So uh, Yeah, there are many aspects of it you, that you I found rather disagreeable. No, I mean, guys, of course, the implementation in the GDR has its flaw, had its flaws. I mean, but you take a look at any communist country. As you said, these countries are ruled by people. People are not perfect. But still, the ideal applies at its very core. And this I'm not so sure about it, right? I, uh, I mean, the idea is an idea. You can you can put it into the air, right? And you can whatever, right? It's fine, right? You, not, not, you can, not everybody may but, share it. It's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, but, which is uh, fine. Don't get me wrong. That's okay. No that's, worries. Uh, but I still I still believe in sharing um, knowledge, and I mean, just take any search engine of your disposal and put my name in an open source context into that search bar. That's the reason why you see many talks, many presentations, and this is sharing knowledge. And more often than not, these presentations would have a GitHub repo at the very end of this presentation. Because I do not believe in keeping innovative ideas for myself. Simple. Unless, of course, I pedal in drugs, girls, and weapons. But that's beside the point. <laughs> okay, fine. So we, we can summarize, which is maybe a good and, and also a kind of uh, yeah, nice, happy ending, uh, ending. Or a nice, happy end, right? <laughs> a, a nice, happy end, uh, let's say, right? Absolutely. In, in a sense. Yeah, so we, we, can, we, can, we can basically summarize it as uh, they are not just selfish reasons or to, to, open, to contribute to open source uh, uh, software, but um, they're, they're basically uh, philanthropic <laughs> reasons in, a, in the sense if it comes to sharing your, your, your genius think, with the world, uh, in, right, in for some Chris time. Just blatant self-promotion, <laughs> right? So that's... <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in sharing your genius and not hiding it from the world, this could be one reason, you... right? Which is not selfish at all. But, uh, <laughs> and, and if, we, if we kind of project this to the wider uh, picture, then, um, yeah, even communism still has 
uh, something like hope, right? It's, to to the this listeners, is a good summary. To the listeners <laughs> out there, if you're listening, listeners, Martin has just resigned from something called the Linux in-laws. If you want to if you want to run a podcast with me, feel free to apply. The, the email address is gig at linuxinlaws.eu. Let's fire uh, some more people. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, that was a joke. Yeah, this this, you this didn't is resign. true open. This is true open source culture, right? So if someone doesn't isn't aligned, kick him yeah. out. Cancel culture at its fullest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin, I'm, I'm sure this will be cut out. So no worries. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, actually, oh, guys. Anyway, um. Good. I, we, I was we'll only give you the episode for. Well, for... Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't worry. Oh, mate. Okay, good. I, I would say we call it a day and uh, yeah, maybe everyone says goodbye and then uh, we we kind of uh, stop this episode and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, maybe we uh, usually would now go somewhere into a pub and drink a beer, mm. but there's uh, still this Corona craziness, right? Do this, uh, so. no. Uh, uh, no. Exactly. So, so yeah, maybe I start. So, uh, thank you for listening, right? If you survived until now, then yeah, <laughs> well done, <laughs> well done. <laughs> you deserve this. You deserve this. Thank you, yes. right? So. <laughs> Uh, thank you thank you for listening if you want to listen to a real true communist open source podcast there's something called linux in <laughs> hosted by martin no other and him and, and myself uh, by the way this is a very short podcast episode because we had to edit out all the self-promotion so it's probably like 10 minutes long or so. <laughs> <laughs>